Okay, welcome to Day After Christmas. Let's kind of reboot a little bit as we transition into worship. Hope you're having a great Christmas with your family. If you're like me, it can be overwhelming. We've had lots of services and Christmas gatherings. I know you have too, so we are very grateful to worship today with all of you. Okay, I want to give you a few prayer requests and updates. I asked Miss Judy just now, Joe Whittemore is still in Warm Springs. Let's pray for him and uh, his recovery. He, he wants to be home, obviously. Don't we all? So uh, let's pray for Mr. Joe. Uh, Betty Keaton, I talked to her this morning. She's still having a slow go of it, but she is improving. Let's pray for Miss Betty. And I don't know if you're keeping up, but Jennifer Carroll. Let's continue to pray for Jennifer Carroll. Are there any other people we need to specifically mention? We've got several people who are sick. Uh, let's think of them. Anything particular? I know I see Rodney back there. Beth's surgery was postponed. Does she know anything else, Rodney? Okay. Okay. Beth East. Don't forget, we are still taking Lottie Moon. Uh, so if you want to make an offering to missions, uh, just indicate Lottie Moon or um, maybe Jeff will be back there after the service to take up offering for that. Um, at 11 o'clock... I know most all of you won't be here, but at 11 o'clock we are going to recognize Erica and give her a gift from the church for her five years of service in our children's ministry. She is moving out. She's taking a job at Children's Health Care of Atlanta, if you did not know that, which she's going to work every other weekend. So we're going to give her a gift from all of us today at 11. The children are going to sing uh, some carols, and so we're going to recognize Erica. But I did want you all to know that. And if you feel led at any point to, you know, drop her a note or card or word of encouragement, that would be, that would be great. We will not have services tonight or Wednesday night, so you're off till next Sunday. But food pantry will be open Tuesday, right, Durrell? Yeah, I heard, I heard y'all saying that. So our plan is to go to worship one service next Sunday, kicking off the new year, 10:30 only. Now I know you've loved. You've loved the 9.30 service. Yes. What? 10.30. No. <laughs> you come at 10.30, Catherine. <laughs> 10.30 next Sunday morning, uh, worship service, 9.30 Sunday school. So be in prayer because I pray that this will, this will go well. Um, you know, we're to the point where everyone's going to have to make adjustments as this thing continues to unfold. Like I said, we've got several people who are sick, but uh, this is where we feel led at the moment. And uh, if the Lord leads us to change, we will certainly be obedient to his, to his will. Miss Judy. Amen. Amen. You look great. It's so good to see you back and feeling better. Thank you, Miss Judy. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. She is at home. She was able to have family, you know, for Christmas, and she's got somebody there in her family all the time now, just, you know, with her. So uh, let's continue to pray. Any other announcements or prayer requests or updates? Hey, let's stand for prayer. Kyle Kane, will you pray for us, please, brother? Well, I tell you what, if you're coming up here to sing, 
We'll, we'll wait on you, Kyle. Kyle's been an encouragement to me. Um, Christmas Eve service, I got a text from him. Both Christmas Eve services. Wednesday night, which is not really Christmas Eve, but uh, we talked about, at one point, yeah. We talked about um, Simeon at the campground Wednesday night and Simeon's prayer and praise when he held Christ. And once Simeon saw the salvation of the Lord, he said, now I can die in peace. Everything is well with your soul. It makes all the difference. And Kyle sent me an encouraging note on that. Kyle, would you lead us in prayer, please? Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your kindness, your love, and compassion. Thank you for this time of worship. God, I just want to tell you that, I, that I'm thankful to be alive, that, that you've always blessed me, and that, um, that I got a, a home and got food in my, my cabinets, God, and that I'm not promised tomorrow. I'm not even promised the, the rest of the day for all I know. I'm grateful that you're sovereign and that you're over everything. And I'm so grateful that you sent Christ who died and paid for my sins in full and pardoned me and died the death that I should have died. I'm so grateful for you and I love you. Lord, and I lift up a, a prayer request to you. The ones that sick, I, I lift them up to you to heal them and encourage them, get them back to health. If anybody needs spirit and faith, I pray that you give it to them too. And I pray for this service this morning. These things I ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Good morning. We're going to begin worship with singing Good Christian Men Rejoice this morning. Christian men rejoice with our 
gracious Heavenly Father, God, Lord, thank you so much for just waking us up this morning to a beautiful day to come into your house to worship and praise you, God. Lord, I just thank you for um, the blessing of us being able to gather together. I lift up those who aren't able to be with us this morning, God, and I just pray that you bless our church and guide us um, and give us um, peace and break down barriers for us to join together next Sunday as one big congregation again, God. Lord, um, I just thank you for the Christmas season and for Advent and the ministry that it provides, God. And Lord, as we um, kind of conclude the series for now, God, Lord, may we um, carry this love, peace, joy, and um, love and hope with us, God, as we move on from um, this season to the next, God. Lord, as we just open up your word, Lord, open up our hearts and clear our minds. And may you speak clearly to us through Pastor Neil, God. Lord, I love you and praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 2. Usually, after Christmas, I come to this passage because it is so helpful and rich, even though it's very familiar. You'll hardly see a nativity without three wise men in it, right? Just comes with the story. One of the most significant parts of the story is the visit of the Magi from the east. So let's look at this story. This is after Jesus was born. So how do we respond to the birth of Christ? What impact should he make on our lives? Let's think about that. So we work through Advent, you think about the hope, peace, joy, and love, all that God has given us in Christ and what we're called to be in Christ. In Matthew chapter 2, there's a visit from men from the east. So let's pick up in chapter 2, verse 1. A lot of you know this so well, you could share this message today, okay? Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star. And just in passing, his star, they personalize the star. It's his. We saw it in the east, and we have come to worship him. So they're not just traveling, they're not just wandering, they're not just looking. They have a purpose, a specific purpose. What is it? To worship the king. So when Herod the king, so actually you have in this passage a tale of two kings and two kingdoms. And there have been years when that's been how I approach this passage. The difference in Christ and his kingdom, the difference in Herod and his kingdom. It's a really good sermon. I'm going to try not to preach it today. Because I want to take another theme from this this morning. But when Herod the king heard it, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Because if the king is not happy, the city's not happy. The city was troubled. So gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he began to inquire of them where the Christ was to be born. And they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And he quotes 
from the Old Testament prophecy, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. They open the Bible and they look and they read, You, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For, look at this, out of you shall come forth a ruler. Out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi. He, he says, hey, let's, let's, let's huddle up here, okay? And he ascertained from them the time that the star appeared. When, when did you see the star? Herod wants to do a little research here. And he sent them to Bethlehem. And he said, you go and you make careful search for the child. And when you have found him, report to me that I too may come and worship him. If you know the rest of the story, you're thinking, yeah, right. That's the last thing he has on his mind, is worship. Having heard the king, they went their way, and lo, the star which they had seen in the east went on before them. The star moves and guides. It's a supernatural work of God is what's taking place here to reveal and to guide and look at this Luke's real Matthew's real specific it came and stood over where the child was and when they saw the star they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy and they came into the house they saw the child notice house they're no longer in the manger as much as two years could have passed. We think as much as a year to two years based on other evidence in the text about who Herod said to go and kill. You'll see that in just a second. But they came into the house. They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. They fell down and worshipped him. And opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to go back to Herod, not to return to Herod, they departed for their own country by another way. By another way. I'm going to read a little more. So when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. You either worship him or you seek to destroy him. He arose and he took the child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. And he was there until the death of Herod. That what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Out of Egypt did I call my son. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged. And he sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem. And in all its environs, and from two years old and under, according to the time which he had ascertained from the Magi. Then that which was spoken through through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they were no more. Father, it's very humbling to read the end of that as we see such violence and death marking the beginning of our Lord's time here on earth. 
But we are also grateful that later his death and his resurrection would more than, than make up and, and atone and amend for, for what took place early in the story. So we thank you for the good news of, of Christ and why he came. We pray that through this we ourselves would come to a place not only of personal salvation by trusting in Christ, but also a place of personal daily worship because Christ is our King and he is worthy of our worship. May we think through everything that we've learned this Christmas season and respond to you as we should respond to to everything you do, and, and that is with worship and praise and adoration. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Today I want to basically draw from this some principles on worship. Because I think the whole reason that Christ came, the whole reason that Christmas exists, the whole reason for the Gospels, in fact, the whole reason for everything is that you and I would worship God. Worship is the whole point. Someone once said that all theology is ultimately for doxology. What does that mean? Everything that we learn and everything that we know is ultimately to culminate in praise and honor and glory and worship to God. So why have we done all that we've done at Christmas? Again, we've gathered as families. We've had one night in Bethlehem. Uh, we've had multiple services in different places. We've told the Christmas story over and over through Advent. And now even he's still preaching on it the day after Christmas. <laughs> the story never ends. But the whole point of the story is to worship. And I see the wise men, they've... They've got it. The Magi have it. So let's talk a little bit about what they, what they do. But before they do, I want to share something personal that happened yesterday in my wife's family. So we drive to Forsyth almost every Christmas to be with the Boyds, the, the, my in-laws, my outlaws. <laughs> and over the course of the years, I've, of course, am the, the family chaplain. So when it comes time to say the blessing, grace, over our family Christmas meal that we're about to have, they usually call on me to pray. So I'm over in the corner kind of gearing up to pray. And before I say the blessing, Uncle Mike. Now, Uncle Mike, like me, is one of the outlaws. He married into the family. Uncle Mike gets a little emotional. He says, Neil, before you say the blessing, can I share something? I said, yes. Now, this almost never happens on Tracy's side of the family. Okay, I'll just be real with the 9 o'clock group. Mike says, I want to I thank God. He says, this time last year, my wife Pat, Tracy's aunt, was diagnosed with cancer. It was a rare form of cancer. And he goes into the details of how what we did is we trusted God completely with that situation. And I want to thank God and this family for your thoughts, your prayers, your love. He says, now we never know what's going to happen next, but Pat is here for Christmas. And she was, and she looks good. She's done well. But I thought to myself, here we are at Christmas and Mike is giving thanks and praise and glory to God, which is why Christmas has happened 
in the first place. I was very moved by that just because I know Mike. I know the circumstances. I was moved by the fact that someone paused before we all dove into the ham and turkey. (laughs) And before we all started opening the presents, that someone stopped and paused and gave honor and thanks and glory to God. And we have opportunities to do that in certain situations with our families, with our friends. And I just want us to think and reflect on this passage and how we are called to ultimately celebrate and honor God for what he's done in Christ with worship. Now, the principles that I'm going to draw from this morning, and worship is much more than this. Worship is much more than this, but it is at least this, okay? I'm going to to give us four words. Number one, it's exploration. It's an explore. It's a journey. It's a pilgrimage. Number two, it's obedience. Number three is adoration. Adoration, that's a beautiful word describing how we might feel about something. I adore you. And then the fourth word is transformation. Because anytime we come into contact with the sacred, with God, with his church, his word, we're changed. We're formed. We're transformed to be more like Christ. So let's, let's start with the first word. What would it mean to, to worship God wisely with a little play on the wise men here? Number one, exploration. The Magi respond to God's revelation with a humble and persistent search. The Magi respond to God's revelation with a humble and persistent search. Now, what's interesting is these men are far away, they're Gentiles. They remind me that all of us, as sinners, begin far away. Adam and Eve, after they sinned against God, they were cast out of the garden. But now God, in His revelation and in His glory, look, listen, He he draws people near. He invites them to come. Come and worship. Come and worship. Worship Christ. What? The newborn king. And so God issues a divine invitation that compels them to go on a journey and to go on a search. Now we like to wonder how how far did they come? How difficult was the travel? We don't know really how many of them there were, even though most of the narratives have three. But there were probably more than that. But we kind of tie into the three gifts So let's think about this exploration. Now, one of the things we used to love to do with our children is we would say, let's go on and explore. (laughs) You know what it is to go on and explore? You go on an exploration, a journey. You're looking for something. And worship is something that that moves us closer to God. That's why I said, you know, when Mike spoke about God's work in their life, I was moved by that. Worship is always movement. Now, it may not always be geographical movement or physical movement, but worship should always move us from where we are to where God wants us to be. Now, this happens with the wise men. They literally move. They literally literally travel. So let's think for a minute, why do people take pilgrimages? Why do people make journeys? Well, there's something within them that compels them to go somewhere new. 
several years ago, and I thought about this, Terry Harper, Harper Realty, they used to do these uh, buried treasure searches. Terry, you, you remember this, where you know, they'd bury something that was worth $500, and they'd put all these clues in the newspaper, and one week I followed that in the newspaper, and I said, man, I got the clues. <laughs> and me and a couple of my boys went on a search in Franklin looking for that buried treasure. Now, honestly, I was, I was motivated a little bit by greed <laughs> and by catching the prize. And we searched, and I looked, and we got there. Man, there were a lot of other people searching in the same area. I said, I don't stand a chance. And I wasn't right. It was found a little bit later at another location, but I went on a search. Man, on a more serious level, Jen Jennifer Carroll with cancer. They went to Anderson, MD Anderson, in, uh, or whatever it's called, in Houston. Why leave home and go out there? Why take that pilgrimage? She's looking for a cure. She's looking for help. When we feel inadequate, when we feel a need, when we are drawn by God through that, we go on an exploration. And, and to me, worship is responding to God's revelation with a pilgrimage and a journey. you got to remember, the Jewish people all went on pilgrimages to where? To Jerusalem. And these wise men are invited to come and discover as well who God is and what He's done. God initiates it. God invites. But, but here's my point. They move. And, and, and we need to think about how God has drawn us to faith in Christ... And we also need to see every day for you and me can be an exploration and a journey to know God more, to love people more, to be more obedient to His will. Every day for the Christian can be an exploration in worship and for worship as God opens up our eyes to see that He is everywhere and He's involved in everything. What a joy we have, people, to know God. And every day for us can and should be an exploration in worship. And the wise men, the magi, inspire me there. A man named Willard Sperry defined worship like this. And at one time I had trouble wrapping my mind around what he said. But here it is. Worship is a deliberate and disciplined adventure in reality. Worship is a deliberate and disciplined adventure in reality. I think the Magi do this. They take a disciplined and deliberate journey into the reality of who God is and what he had done for Christ, done for us in, in, in Christ. In the same way, you go through the scriptures, you'll find through them, hey, God inviting us to seek Him, and to come to know Him. How many times in the Scriptures does God say to us, you should seek me and you will find me when you search for me, what? With all your heart. They, they are a really good illustration of, of that aspect of worship. It means more than that, but it's at least that. Okay, the second aspect of worship is obedience. We are to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And worshiping God in truth means worshiping Him according to His Word. We're not at liberty to worship Him however we want to worship Him. 
We are only at liberty to worship Him the way He has revealed that we should worship Him in spirit and in truth. And, and what I want to focus in on is, is Micah 5.2. Hey, they've got questions. I've got questions. You've got questions. So they show up to Jerusalem and they're willing to ask their questions. What is their question? Where is He? <laughs> Where is He? We're here. Surely it's got to be the holy city. It's got to be Jerusalem, right? It's not. Well, where are the answers? What is God's will and plan? Where do we look? Now, if the star was a general revelation from God, which was actually more, more specific than general, the, the word of God is special, specific revelation from God. I mean, it's exact. In Bethlehem. And Bethlehem is by no means least among the leaders of Judah, although it seems so. Out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. What a promise. What a verse. This verse guides and instructs their worship. The word of God guides and instructs our worship. In fact, if our worship does not line up with the word of God, it's not worship of God. It's idolatry. Now, if they were like me, they may be tempted. We've come to Jerusalem. Let's just find something or someone to worship here. <laughs> Herod might do. He's a king. No. Herod won't do. We can't just find whatever we want to worship to worship in Jerusalem because Jerusalem is not the place where the Messiah, the Christ, the ultimate one who is worthy of worship is to be born. So we can't stay in Jerusalem. We must go to Bethlehem. You mean we're not there yet? No, we're not there yet. My children, can't we just stop by McDonald's on the way to family Christmas? We're hungry now. No, we've got to go eat with the family. We're not stopping by that literally happened to me yesterday. Why couldn't they just stop in Jerusalem and make do there? That's not what the Word said. The Word instructed and guided. And, I, it, and, and let's just cut to the chase. There's nothing that will inspire and guide and transform and, and, and create within us a worshipful mindset like, like the Word of God, especially the Gospel of God. We are to worship Him with obedience. And throughout the Scriptures, God has revealed Himself to us. And just as the Magi and Herod and the scribes and the Pharisees, just as they found out specifically what to do, where to do it in Micah 5, 2, so too the Word is a lamp unto our feet and a guide unto our path. And we should hide His Word in our hearts so that we might worship Him and not sin against God. So I give you my uncle on this side of the family. At Christmas, he's sharing his personal story with our family. Now, I missed this one because we had service and I arrived late. But he gave a very emotional speech. And afterward, I caught up with him. I said, you know, I heard you shared some things. His wife died back in January. And so this was his first Christmas without her. He says, Neil, I want to tell you something. He says, I'm learning a lot. He says, and I'm learning a lot about God from his word. He says, I love the gospel of John. I love John. 
I'm learning, reading so much about God through John. This has been really hard. Then he made a passing statement that I locked in on. He says, I am now studying the word rather than just reading it now and then on occasion. And I said to myself, hold on, Uncle Roy, let me write that down. He said, no, no, he said, don't write that down, don't write that down. I says, but Uncle Roy, I says, that's the turning point. Is when you begin to study the word rather than just in passing it, reading it now and then. Herod says, you go and you make what? Careful search. That word careful search means to do research. It means to have inquiry. The root means to gain exact information with the highest level of accuracy. We cannot get worship wrong. We've got to get it right. We've got to get life right. We've got to get love right. We've got to get relationships right. We've got to get everything right. My great aunt said it best to me when I began the ministry. She said to me simply, Neil, read your Bible and pray, pray, pray. And I know that sounds overly simplistic, but she's right. Make careful search and you will find exactly where, when, and how God desires to use you for His glory. They respond to God's word, His will, with submissive trust and action. I'll read it one more time. They respond to God's word, His will, with submissive trust and action. We cannot formulate our own plans based on our own desires and speculations. We must submit to God's word and align our lives with his commands and will in light of who he is. In other words, I said it earlier, we must worship him in spirit and truth. Herod, by the way, tries to change the narrative. He tries to go against the word of God. Why? Because he wants to be king. Christ is a threat to him. You cannot change the narrative, the narrative of the story on God. We must obey. The third thing, and I know I'm spending more time on this than I ever originally planned. The third word is adoration. Adoration. Worship is it's exploration. It's also obedience, but it also has that, it has that awe to it, that wonder to it, that adoration. It's what I was talking about when Todd Hanley, as the angel at the tomb in Bethlehem, would say to the groups as they come through, Come and see the place where he was laid. And there's wonder. There's excitement. There's always that element in worship. Now, the Magi respond to the Christ child with wonder and adoration by giving the gifts that they give. How do you express adoration? There's a lot of ways to express it, but they express it by opening their treasures. Now, this reminds me of the fact that when we pray, God's Spirit intercedes. And when we pray to God, His Spirit will intercede and say and mean and help in ways that we don't understand when we're praying. I believe that when these wise men, the Magi, gave these gifts to God, they gave much more than they imagined. They gave much more than they realized. Because what did they present in adoration to Christ when they walked into the house. Well, the Bible says they proskuneoed. They fell down before him. Now, these scientists, astrologers, 
smart intellectual people from the east come all the way to Jerusalem into Bethlehem and when they get there they fall down to the ground that's adoration fall on your knees the Christmas hymn says it's the only proper way to respond to who Christ is and what he's done he is the king of kings and the lord of lords so they have this adoration which expresses itself in their posture. They fall down. It says they worshipped him. They fulfilled the purpose for which they began their journey so long ago. And in verse 11, they opened their treasures. They presented to him gifts. What a picture, both literally and spiritually. We open our treasures. We present to him our sacrificial spiritual offerings as they gave real tangible offerings. And likewise, that counts for us as well. But what did they give? You know the story. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I do this every year. I'm about to say it again. Gold was a gift for who? What? Kings. The most precious and valuable of Material. It's the medal of kings. So this represents his royalty and his rule. Frankincense was used mainly in priestly service, in worship, and points to his purity. If gold points to his rule, I think incense, we could say that that points to his representation as our great high priest, our mediator, our advocate before God. His holiness, our unholiness, our unrighteousness, he represents me. Incense points to that. But then myrrh is very strange. Because myrrh was used mainly in embalming. In fact, it's said of Joseph of Arimathea that he used over a hundred pounds of myrrh for the body of Jesus. And so going into that tomb, there would have been just this strong smell and odor of, of myrrh. Why myrrh? Well, because it's representative of his death, his purpose for which he came. And do they understand all that this entails? Probably not. Who knows? But Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And from this side of the cross, we can see why myrrh was brought. Because he will be our Redeemer. So he's not just ruler. He's not just representative. He is our Redeemer. And they express their adoration for God and Christ by giving gifts that match up with who Jesus is. But let's be clear. The Magi first gave themselves. They gave the very best that they had and the very best that they were in response to God's initiation and God's revelation for them to worship. They were appropriate. They were fitting. They were personal. They were sacrificial. And they were practical. Commentators think, scholars think that the gold helped finance the journey to Egypt that Mary and Joseph had to take to flee the tyranny of murderous Herod. Now there's an interesting prophecy in Isaiah 60 that prophesies the return of the king and the new earth. And all the nations come and they bring with them to worship the king gold and frankincense. But you know what they don't bring? They don't bring myrrh. Because under this kingdom, there's no more death, no more crying, no more pain, no more sorrow. Why? Because Christ the King establishes forever 
his peaceable kingdom around the tree of life and the river of life. What a joy it is to adore the king of kings. He is our ruler. He's our representative. He is our redeemer. So what should we give? What gifts and treasures do you possess? Maybe go through a spiritual gift survey like we did back in the fall and we discover how God has made us and who he has made us. But perhaps C.S. Lewis defines it best when he concludes mere Christianity with this. Give up yourself and you'll find yourself, your real self. Lose your life and you'll save it. Submit to death, death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day and death of your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being and you will find eternal life. Keep back nothing. Nothing that you haven't given away will ever be really yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself and you'll only find in the long run hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ. Look for Christ and you will find Him and with Him everything else thrown in. You give your life, your soul, your all in adoration to Him. So that means worship is not just a moment, but we worship Him with our whole lives. And that leads to my last point, to which all God's people say, Amen. (laughs) Transformation. Now, I always spiritualize this, but I do have biblical evidence for this. Now, it says in verse 12 that when they go back home to their own country, they go by another way. They take another route. Now, obviously, that's a geographical reference to the fact that they don't go back through Jerusalem because God has warned them in a dream. But it said earlier that when they saw Christ, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Meaning that God in their hearts was already transforming them through their worship to never be the same again. Every character in the Gospels that had contact with either the announcement of the good news or witnessed the reality of the birth of Christ, every single one of them was transformed and changed in the right direction in a new way, in a fruitful way, in a God-glorifying way, as they engage in worship of Christ. The opposite contrast and extreme, of course, is the response of people like Herod who miss Christmas. Why didn't Herod go to Bethlehem? Why didn't the chief priests and scribes go to Bethlehem? Why didn't they go from Jerusalem down to Bethlehem? Their pride their sin, their selfishness. When we engage in worship in spirit and truth, we never, ever remain the same. Our lives begin to be filled with the fruit of the Spirit, and we begin to live out the mission of telling others the good news. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in be born in us today. Now, we can't go literally to Bethlehem, can we? Well, I guess we could. (laughs) But how can we be changed? How can we be transformed? St. Augustine said, To the one who is everywhere, men come to him, not by traveling, but by loving. By loving. 
By loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving our neighbor as ourselves, we begin to engage in what is the exploration and the obedience and the adoration and the transformation of worship. But I'll close with this. The only way that you and I can be transformed is to continue to visit the Son, S-O-N, to continue to worship Him and love Him and preach the gospel to ourselves every day, to present ourselves as living sacrifices, which is our spiritual form of worship, which transforms us to be more like Christ. Because Jesus himself worshipped God in these perfect ways. He too went on a journey, an exploration. He left his Father's glory and came down to the cross. He too was perfectly obedient. I say he too, he more so. He fulfilled with perfect love. And submission, the plan of the Father. He perfectly obeyed him. Adoration, Jesus too bowed before the will of the Father and surrendered and gave his all. Transformation, Jesus did not remain dead but was raised triumphantly and gloriously. You remember the doubters? Reach out and touch. It's me. It's really me. A transformed, resurrected body that ascended to heaven and now is at the right hand of God as our great intercessor. How should we respond to Christmas? By worshiping Him the way the wise men did. Let's pray. Father, our desire today as we gather is to live a life of worship. I pray that we can see in the Magi, in their journey, their pilgrimage, their submission to the Word, how they present themselves and their gifts, their offerings that are fitting and appropriate And how they're changed. God, I I pray that every year as we celebrate Christmas, every year as we go through the great themes of Advent, Lord, every year as we turn the calendar, that not only through the annual celebrations would we, we be transformed, Lord, but daily that we would walk in worship, that we would walk in love, that we would walk in surrender. And journeying with you. And that we would set before us not only the incarnation, but also the cross and the resurrection. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing about our wonderful Savior. You come as we sing.
Amen. What a joy to see all of you. I hope you'll have a great rest of the day as you continue to probably celebrate Christmas with someone in your family, in your home. Uh, Any word before we close? Anything we need to be reminded of? Sunday school right after this, and next Sunday morning we'll meet Sunday school at 9.30, worship at 10.30. Hope all of you can come back. Catherine, would you close us, please? Let's sing Go Tell It on the Mountain. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. And if any of y'all do want to at 11 and watch the kids, they'll leave and go to children's church, and you can just follow behind them and sneak out. So if y'all needed that option, you're welcome to come back and listen to